It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org slash app. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I think their ability to run the football, I mean, they ran it last week for 160-some yards and then been able to make big plays down the field in a passing game where he's able to stay alive in the pocket. He's got a strong arm to make the throws, and they've got a good core of receivers that can go up and catch the football. They've got a tight end who really does a good job that he likes to throw the ball to, does a good job with the route running and those type deals. So, you know, I think it's a combination of everything they do offensively. Good morning. It's Locked on Vikings on a Friday. Game day on Sunday at noon. Vikings and Panthers. Sage Rosenfels with us as usual on Friday to give our final prognostications for Sunday's contest. I'm Sam Ekstrom, the host. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and or Audio Boom. Follow on Twitter at Sage Rosenfels 18 or at Sam Ekstrom. Well, Sage, before we talk Vikings... I mean, we just got to give quick props to the Patriots. I don't know how many times they've been home underdogs in the Belichick era, but it was foolish to make them an underdog. It, when, it, when it comes down to short rests like that from Sunday to Thursday, it's going to come down to the coaches, and Belichick can game plan as well as anybody, and they just made Houston look silly. Yeah, that was a, a big surprise last night for a lot of people. I was not surprised. Uh, I think all of the, I don't know if it was ESPN or NFL Network, uh, analysts had the Texans in that ball game. I think it was like five for five or something, had the Texans winning, and it wasn't even really close. I, I think 27 nothing. I don't think it was even that close. Um, watching Brissett uh, summon the preseason, and the way he throws the ball, he throws a really nice football. Obviously, uh, people have probably heard Bill Parcells. Uh, you called Bill Belichick and told him this kid is a, a good kid and, and he's got the ability to be an NFL quarterback. And um, so obviously he's been endorsed by uh, you know, one of the great all-time NFL coaches uh, who's known him for a long, long time. And, you know, from, from my perspective, I watched how, they, as you talked about, Bill Belichick and his game planning as well as Josh McDaniels, who – on a side note, we'll pro- needs to probably get another head coaching job here at some point. Yeah, um, sure. But uh, if you watch what they did with him, uh, and of course they were lucky they don't have to throw the ball, you know, twenty some times, but uh, with, with that running game. But you know, three step drops, uh, reads where they could just really read, you know, half the field and not have to do too much with protection. They kept a really nice, simple game plan for him and let him go out and play, and, and great pass protection. The offensive line dominated the Texans all night, whether it's in the passing game or the running game. Uh, just a tremendous all-around performance by the Patriots last night. It's unbelievable. They're 3-0 and without Tom Brady, and really without Gronkowski, who only played a little bit last night as well. 
Yeah, Brissett only got sacked one time, and they rushed for 185 yards. Blunt was huge, and the defense was magnificent against Houston, who the Vikings play not too far from now. They play Houston on October 9th, just a couple weeks away. The Vikings try to move to 3-0 on Sunday and join the unbeaten ranks, but they'll have to do so without some more key pieces. Since we last talked, Sage, Matt Khalil out for the season, and we got an email just a few minutes ago breaking news. Matt Khalil had successful surgery today to repair a labrum tear in his right hip. The procedure was done by team physician Chris Larson at Twin Cities Orthopedics. And Larson's the same guy who worked on Adrian's knee yesterday, so he's been a busy guy. Matt Khalil, a labrum tear in his right hip. We'll start there. This could be a big hit to the Vikings, Sage, and especially their depth. Well, one, that's a skate. I mean, hopefully Stefan Diggs doesn't get hurt uh, because put him in bubble at, wrap. If you, yeah, if you look at a, an offense, uh, a team, then particularly an offense, your most important players you'd probably go in in, in order are quarterback, uh, maybe running back or premier wide receiver and left tackle. And and the Vikings have lost three out of the four so far. So. Um, you know, they can still survive without uh, Khalil. Obviously, they did a lot last year without him. Uh, but a lot of times you have to uh, do other things to protect, uh, you know, the guy that goes in there, and which is, you know, leaving a tight end in, having a running back chip, uh, those types of things. And, you know, people say, well, what's the big deal? You have a running back chip or a tight end, you know, chip on the end of the last scrimmage. Well, that that sort of eliminates or hurts their ability to be a threat down the field. If a running back is chipping and then sort of, you know, getting out of his route, uh, he's not free-releasing free and maybe run like a halfback option on a will linebacker, which they might think they have advantage, especially with a, with a McKinnon type of player. So uh, it's one of those, you know, take from Paul to pay Peter or how, however that phrase goes. Uh, that's what happens when you have to help out an offensive lineman. It hurts you somewhere else on the field. Well, and it hurt Kyle Rudolph a lot last year because they had to use Rudolph in combination with Red Ellison or Michael Pruitt to block next to TJ Clemmings on the right side last year. And, and it made Kyle Rudolph's receiving game really suffer. I could foresee them going with a lot of one running back, two tight end, or one running back, three tight end looks from now on in particular on first and second down, but that's fairly normal. I think it's more of even when they're in a three-wide receiver set and, and Kyle Rudolph is the only tight end in the ball game, uh, it may be more of a three-wide out you know, combination, maybe on, on two, uh, uh, two receivers on one side. They'll have sort of a, a two-high concept, and then on the other side, the one receiver, they might have something for a single safety one-on-one route, say a comeback or as North calls it, a nine-stop, sort of a nine-yard stop route on the outside. Uh, and try to play that game. And it's, you know, you have five eligible wide receivers, and they're going to probably use one, if not two, of those eligible wide receivers uh, to help out the offensive line. They have to do something to protect Sam Bradford anyway. He took way too many hits last week, even with Khalil. Uh, and they don't, if, if he's going to play the rest of the season, the next 14 ball games, they got to pick him upright. So the other half of the injury news yesterday is Sharif Floyd. And I guess we did the panic level game two days too early, Sage, because we talked about Floyd and how we were concerned about his injury issues. This guy just can't stay on the field. He's had knee issues dating back to his rookie season. And now he's had cartilage cleanups on both knees in the past year. Here's the release from the Vikings. Sharif Floyd had a right knee arthroscopy yesterday. His procedure was performed by Dr. James Andrews. 
at the Andrews Institute in Pensacola, Florida. Now, James Andrews is the big shot knee doctor, right? Yeah, I think as Charles Barkley said, I'm not sure if he's the best, but since people think he's the best, therefore he is. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like he's the guy that a lot of people go to for whatever reason. And, um, you know, there's a lot of great surgeons all over the place, but it seems like Dr. Andrews sort of has that uh, has that title. From what I hear, this is just a cleaning of the knee, which I assume is a fairly innocuous procedure. Why do you think... Floyd would have to go to Andrews for a procedure like this? Well, the the teams give the player, through the collective bargaining agreement, uh, the teams have to give the player the option to get whatever surgeon they want. And they can go through, use the team surgeons up in Minneapolis, or they can, the team has to pay for them to, uh, I think, fly or or go to another surgeon of their choice, um, which I think is a very, very good thing. Uh, you don't want a conflict of interest. You say a, a local surgeon um, doing whatever for the team more than for the player. You want the player's best interest in mind if you're that player. So a lot of times agents uh, will sort of organize this. It's something that you know they have. A, my agent always had like I have a wrist guy, they have a shoulder guy, they've got a knee guy uh, for certain specialties that they've had good results with in the past and that they trust and that they know that are going to put the player first. And so. Yeah, the thing with the scope is, you know, it's not a full surgery where they have to truly open somebody up. They can go in there. Uh, it's a very small cut and and uh, and clean up some things. A lot of times there's not really an injury per se, and, and maybe that's the situation here. There's not really an injury um, with his knee, but it's more of uh, just abuse and things from the past and little chip bones and cartilage and things that have shredded a little bit that, they, that needs to be, and there's just pain in there. And those things have to be cleaned up for that pain to go away. And uh, But it shouldn't, uh, I guess, uh, hurt the ability for the knee to be strong and uh, to still have uh, the ability to, to hold up. So uh, usually guys can come back with that fairly quickly. It's amazing. I mean, a week, two weeks, three weeks at the most, usually they come back fairly quickly from these scope operations. So now let me lump Khalil and Floyd together for a second because they're both in similar contract situations. Matt Khalil's rookie contract is over after this year. This was his fifth year option year, and he's getting paid handsomely now to not play this year, over $11 million, and then he becomes a free agent. On the other hand, Sharif Floyd has had his fifth year option picked up, which would pay him nearly $7 million next year. However, that is not guaranteed money at this point. So conceivably, uh, if the Vikings feel like they have uh, an adequate backup behind Floyd, whether it's Tom Johnson or Shamar Stefan, if they don't want to pay that money, if they think he's too injury prone, they could let Floyd go at no cost to the team. And in the case of Khalil, he obviously goes on the free agent market where his value is probably substantially decreased because of this, uh, this labrum surgery. So how do you think both of these guys, let's let's say that, that the Vikings cut bait with Floyd for whatever reason. How is their ability to negotiate this offseason going to be affected? Well, with Floyd, uh, it's all about, you know, it's, it's supply and demand. And, you know, they've played fairly well through two games without him in there. So uh, it seems like they've got plenty of supply at that position. And it is a position that uh, is very important in this defense, but it's also, I think, a strength of the Minnesota Vikings defense. And so that obviously hurts uh, Floyd's uh, negotiating 
ability. Uh, I don't think he's going to get that seven million. I think this is going to be one of those situations where they take either they take that offer off the table, or they uh, renegotiate it to a you know a smaller deal, maybe half that amount. He ha I think he has been a solid player off and on when he's been in there, but he has been hurt a lot. Obviously, he was sort of worth the seven million. If, if healthy, according to the Vikings, but uh, since he's been hurt so much and then with this scope, um, you know, we'll see. I, I, he also has the ability to come back the rest of the season, and he might play, you know, unbelievable for 12 games, and that $7 million looks like a heck of a deal uh, for the Vikings. So I think that there's a lot to be seen in that situation. I think the other uh, more interesting one is Matt Khalil. Um, I think this is very much hurt his ability to be make big money in free agency. He has struggled a little off and on, as everyone knows, well-documented as a Viking. Uh, but that left tackle position is ex so extremely tough to find a really good one. Um, and uh, it, it might be a situation where he likes Minnesota. Uh, he likes his position there. He may like his position coach, you know, Zimmer, the whole deal. And even though that uh, he might be able to get a discount in a sense, uh, by the team might be able to get a discount uh, and keep him home, um, and for, for something much, much less, sort of a prove-it one-year contract. And he might take that over going to some other team in Buffalo or some other place he doesn't want to be if he feels comfortable. Uh, he's married now, lives in Minnesota, likes Minnesota. Uh, you know, I've talked to him occasionally, and he really likes it up there. So uh, it might be a situation where the team actually, you know, say, has leverage but might offer him – a low sort of one-year improvement contract, and, and he might take that, but yeah, I guess we'll have to see. One more cap question, then we'll look ahead to Carolina. So Adrian Peterson now is out for the foreseeable future. At minimum, he probably comes back in December. Adrian Peterson's due a $6 million roster bonus the third day of the league year in March, and then has a base salary of $11.75 million. All told, $18 million due next year coming off knee surgery he's going to be 32 years old unless they renegotiate and get that number down substantially it seems like adrian peterson's vikings career could be in peril yeah i think that contract's not going to happen uh, I, I gotta imagine they're going to either release him or renegotiate um at the end of the season unless he comes back in december and just puts up some up you know 150 yards a game uh, at the end of the season and into the playoffs but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, if you look at it, uh, they averaged under two yards a carry in the first two games. Obviously, that's not not all on him, but that's the offensive line. But uh, his they're, they're two and zero, and and he really hasn't helped the team. His position has not helped the team much um, this year. And believe me, I'm a huge Adrian Peterson fan. I th I still think he's got plenty left in the tank, but no one's paying the running backs like that anymore. I mean, Legarrette Blunt makes nothing up there in New England. And he's a heck of a player. To me, the running back position, and again, guys like coaches like Gary Kubiak uh, and, and Bill Belichick have done this for years and years now. They've relied more on strong offensive line play and cheap running backs uh, over expensive running backs and you know average or, or below average offensive line play. And I think that's the way to go. I think that it's, you can take a lot of that money and bolster up that offensive line and uh, make the offensive line better in the run game and the pass game. And so I don't know. I don't think he's going to get that $18 million. I don't, I'm not even sure if he would get half that amount. If the Vikings go and run the ball effectively with sort of this running back by committee now with, with McKinnon and Asiata, 
and Hillman, that's only going to be reinforcement for the front office to say, yeah, we can get by on paying three guys three times less than what one guy was making. And, and that just makes business sense. As much of a legacy as Adrian Peterson is, if there's a divorce, hopefully, you know, it's a, it's a clean one between the Vikings and, and Adrian. It's tough to imagine them paying him a whole lot of money next year. I'm a big believer that, that a running game is, has more to do with the offensive line and the coaching of that offensive line than the actual running back. And I'm not trying to take away anything from AP. He's one of the greatest of all time running backs in this league, uh, greatest Vikings running back of all time. But um, <clears throat> that's just an absurd amount of money, and nobody uh, you know, other than really the quarterback position makes anything near that anymore in the National Football League. So when Adrian was out, I feel like was it Asiata and, and McKinnon ran for over a thousand yards or 1,100 yards or something like that. So uh, you, you take a couple of those guys who are you said making peanuts, uh, making probably combined what, a sixth or, or an eighth of what AP is supposed to make next year, and you know you'll sort of take the loss and maybe three, 300, 400 yards. Um, with, with that type of product. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at Bush Center it's Locked On Vikings, Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NFL, Great Listen with Matt Williamson, Locked On Fantasy, Vinny Iyer, and Locked On Panthers with Steve Reed. Maybe take a listen there and see what they're talking about and if they think they're going to stomp all over the Vikings on Sunday. So, Xavier Rhodes back at practice. That's a huge addition for the Vikings if he plays on Sunday because he's a guy that can shadow Kelvin Benjamin the top receiver on Carolina. Rhodes has a history of shadowing and shutting down big receivers. He's done it with Calvin Johnson. He's done it with Julio Jones. He's done it uh, with Brandon Marshall. Is Xavier Rhodes the X factor in Sunday's game? Well, it depends what the game plan is. I think Xavier Rhodes is an excellent man-to-man corner. He's also a good zone corner, but uh, his his value is based off his ability to, to shadow a wide receiver and be physical with the wide receiver and man-to-man. The question is, from a game plan perspective, how much does the Zimmer uh, and that defensive staff play man-to-man defense in this ballgame? You know they're going to have a lot of uh, extra guys in the box to stop that very, very strong Carolina run game. So is it a zone coverage where all eyes are sort of on the ball, on the quarterback, on the uh, on the play, or or do you play a lot of man-to-man, which you're you know tighter to wide receivers, but a lot of times your back is turned to the ball. So if a running back breaks free or Cam Newton breaks free, the, you, you, you're you're shadowing a receiver 25 yards down the field without your eyes on the football. So the question is, do they play more man coverage or zone coverage? But but I do I do know I do know a fact that Zendejo and uh, and Harrison Smith will be in the box plenty in this ball game, showing different looks, but definitely down there to stop that run. Yeah, I could see Carolina really going with this power run game and try to exploit the Vikings' rush defense, which has been suspect in the past. And if they go power run, you know, go with a heavy set, they keep the Vikings out of the nickel, and then they get Greenway in there instead of Munderland. And it makes the Vikings probably a step slower to the edge because Greenway is not as fast as he once was. I could see Carolina just early on trying to establish this run game and see what they can do because that will only open up the pass later on for them. 
Absolutely, and and this is something that you know the, the Vikings match up very well against the Green Bay Packers, and I'm not sure how well against Carolina. Uh, as, as we've talked about, they haven't been great. The Vikings have not been great against stopping the run this year. Well, the Packers don't run the football very well. Uh, and actually, when they did run it the other night, they ran it pretty well, but they didn't stick to it. They rely more on the pass, and, and the Vikings have an excellent pass rush and play pretty good man-to-man coverage down the field. This team runs the ball so well, and they stick to the run, the Carolina Panthers, that the chances of them getting in these third and long situations, which Green Bay got into in, this, in that last ball game, uh, aren't probably going to happen nearly as much. The Vikings have to stop the run early on so they can get that pressure in the pass game. And I'm, I'm fairly sure Mike Zimmer and his staff will be watching what uh, the Denver Broncos did in that Super Bowl and the fact that they stopped the run very well on first down, got to third and six, seven, and that's when they got pressure with Von Miller and, and the others uh, and created those turnovers. Other side of the ball, uh, and back to the run game quickly. We talked to Norv Turner yesterday, and he insinuated that it's possible they'll get some better run looks because Carolina may not be stacking the box to the same extent in an effort to stop Adrian Peterson. Now, the give and take there is Carolina could then really sell out against the pass, but you know, they don't have Josh Norman around anymore. So I think they're a suspect somewhat in the secondary. They've got former Viking Kurt Coleman there at the back end. Do you feel like the running game could actually improve with Adrian out? I don't think so. Not not this week. And even if they do play, you know, softer coverage and more too high safety coverage and, and have a good box for the Vikings, uh, the Carolina defensive line is pretty solid. And I think Keekley and those linebackers are and Thomas Davis. They're very, very good, and they're very good against the run. Uh, you know, sometimes you're good against what you practice against every single day in the offseason, every single day during training camp. Well, this Carolina defense practices against one of the best rushing attacks uh, in football. So if there's going to be a week that the Vikings get the running game back on track, I don't think it's going to be this one. Quick glance elsewhere in the NFC North, Green Bay and Detroit on Sunday. Your quick twitch thoughts on that game. Well, you know, it's a surprising stat. This is one of the first times in a long time people have sort of been talking about Aaron Rodgers not playing so well, at least this, this Green Bay offense not playing well. I think they're something like 29th in the league in, in offense. So, uh, But I got to I gotta think that uh, Green Bay is going to win this ball game. I, I just don't have a lot of tr- – I'm not a believer at all yet in, in Detroit. Uh, they're one of those teams – that's sort of like Jacksonville. Until you actually prove to me something that you're a better football team, I'm going to probably go against you almost every single week. You know, So uh, I sort of like a Green Bay in this ball game. Yeah, I mean, if you're Detroit, you've got one quarter to not get outscored by, by Tennessee by 12. You know, They go into the fourth quarter with a 15-3 lead. They're staring 2-0 in the face, and they just can't get it done down the stretch. Classic Detroit defeat. Yeah, I I think that both teams are so injury ravaged on defense that it could become a crapshoot. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a lot of positive momentum right now, but he does go home to play for the first time this year. Remember, they started uh, the year with two games on the road. Detroit does have a pretty good push up front, and I don't know if Green Bay will withstand it that well. Their offensive line seems suspect, but in the end, uh, I'm just not sure that the Detroit has enough to beat. Green Bay at Lambeau twice in a row because they did it last year as well for, I think, the first time in 25 years. Yeah, Detroit Detroit seems to be one of those teams that just doesn't know quite how to win the big game yet. And it's just sort of, it's, it's just part of that organization or something. But 
there's teams that just sort of always seem to rise to the occasion in the big game, and this is college football, pro football, whatever, and then there's some teams that just sort of seem like they, they lose that big game, and Detroit seems to be that team. Now, what that game does mean is that one team will win and move to 2-1, and one, which means the Vikings will have to win against Carolina to keep their lead all alone in the NFC North. And now it's your favorite part, Sage, the part where we predict the Minnesota Vikings-Carolina Panthers final score. I'll go first. Since you went first the last two times, I'll give you something to go off of. I, I think the the spread in this game, which Vegas has set around seven, I think is way too disrespectful of the Vikings and Mike Zimmer. I think they'll find a way to keep this game close. I do think that Carolina will get it done at the end, and I was wrong last week. I picked the Packers to win, and the Vikings proved me wrong. They'll have to do it again. I think Carolina wins 23-20. to 20. Well, I was wrong last week as well. I think we almost had the same score, um, and so I'm going to switch it up. Uh, rather than being a naysayer, I'm going to say the Vikings are going to win this game. In a very odd score, 19-15 to 15 in this ball game. Five... Graham Gano field goals and four Blair Walsh field goals. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Maybe there's a safety in there somewhere, but uh, it's, it's going to be a 1915. It's going to be an odd one, but they're somehow going to get to 15 points. There it is. There's your final score. Sunday's game. Vikings and Panthers will, of course, have the complete breakdown on Monday morning on Lockdown Vikings. Uh, we'll see if the Vikings are still amongst the ranks of the perfect teams in the NFL. His name is Sage Rosenfels. At Sage Rosenfels 18 and Sage will look for your story on the score.com on Monday about uh, Sunday's quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm thinking about writing about last night's quarterback, Brissett, uh, who I thought played very, very well, very well in that football game. But obviously I read about three every week. So I have to find we'll see what happens. Who are the two interesting uh, other quarterbacks this week? As far as the NFL, it seems like uh there's always about a half dozen I want to write, write about, but they only let me write about three. So it's something I definitely uh, I definitely enjoy. We'll be checking it out for sure. He's Sage Rosenfels. I'm Sam Ekstrom. This is Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a good weekend. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you by wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Lockdown Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Lockdown Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.